Welcome back. I want to welcome back to the Analysis Studios, Mr. Bobby Peterson. Say hello to the people, Bobby Peterson. Hey, hello, people. And, Bobby, you... Let's do some pleasantries while we're getting kicked off here. You recently have had a cartoon made of yourself. You've viewed it. (laughs) I have. I love it. It's uh, the guy that you commissioned, wish I knew his name, uh, does killer work. I'm very impressed. It looks just like it me. It does. It looks it's, of it's all of cool. them, of of all of them. I think yours and Hayes's are. Uh, well, Barry's is really good too. Mine just <laughs> has the hat, so it's a little a little hard to tell a lot of specific details about my face. But yeah, I've been always really impressed with uh, what he's come up with, and and you are our <laughs> horror correspondent. So you've got the shining T-shirt on. You've got the Freddy Krueger glove, and uh, your creepy face. So, yeah, yeah. The, the face is obviously the creepiest part. Yeah, you you know you're you're our general uh, uh, perversion uh, expert. <laughs> Anything that's kind of uh, sick and perverse, uh, horror films, other things of that nature, we'd like to bring you on and get your opinion. So uh, excited to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about a movie that was has kind of been a, a sleeper hit. Sleep uh, quiet, uh, quiet <laughs> hit. Um, but uh, we're going to be talking about a quiet place today. Which came out, a lot of people ended up going to see, surprisingly, just because of the strength of word of mouth and Rotten Tomato reviews. Uh, currently, I checked this, uh, it's been up for uh, about a couple months, and it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very impressive. But, uh, yeah, it came out and it has kind of gotten swept uh, back under the rug by the Marvel movie and, and everything else. But uh, me and you went to see this, and I just wanted to get you on and to talk about it and to, to, to talk about our feelings on it. So I'll uh, let you lead off, and just in terms of shot out of a cannon, uh, first impressions with this movie. Did you like it? Did you not like it? And uh, take it from there. Uh, right off the gate, I loved it. It was, uh, it's really cool. It was, you know, going into the movie, all you really know is like the, star, the two main stars. Yeah, Emily Krasinski. Blunt and John Krasinski. Yeah, you're just like, okay, you got some like dramatic big haters coming in. Horror movie, okay. You have my interest. Uh, Krasinski wrote and directed it, so that it's a passion project. I love movies like that. It's, yeah, he co-wrote it, and, it, and it's also was interesting because you knew it was a horror film, but you really didn't know what kind of horror film. Right, yeah. I'm trying to get better. If I see a trailer for a movie and it piques my interest, I watch it once and I'm out. I'm like, okay, that's on my radar. Gonna see it. I did that with A Quiet Place and it paid off tenfold. And so there was, you know, there was a movie that I thought this might resemble, which was what was the one with Eggerson, Joel Eggerson? It comes at night. Yeah, it comes at night with Joel Eggerson. And, uh, you know, that was kind of one of those. psychological thrillers and I'm going okay you know I I don't want to spoil that movie but it takes you to a few places but not necessarily uh, what you were thinking and so Quiet Place kind of seemed just the tone of the trailer seemed pretty similar so I was like oh you know that's what my expectations were going in and we get something very different and we are going to talk a little bit of spoilers here we're not going to try to spoil the entire thing but we will talk about some of the plot elements uh, which people would deem spoilers so note that as you're listening to us today but, yeah, so uh, one thing that me and you had kind of talked about right after we had watched it was the movie does a really nice job of setting the tone of the consequences of noise and sound very early. 
so it's the family, and, and what happens is the family, they're kind of rummaging around for supplies and medicine, uh, and they, you, you see a title card that comes up, and it says 89 days after incident, or after 89 right. days or something. So you know that something has happened significant, and we are now you know months into uh, the fallout of whatever this incident is. And uh, you find out very quickly that uh, the world has been overtaken by monsters that are completely blind but have some sort of hypersensitive auto audio um, uh, triggers and they can basically use that as sonar to find and, and, and completely wipe you out these, these giant monsters so we find out very early what the consequences of, of making noise are uh, and then we spend the rest of the movie focused in on this one family and how they're trying to live their life uh, and and uh, they have you know children, which creates a uh, yeah, problem. That, that's that's difficult for some people to watch. Um, nobody is safe in this movie. I'll go ahead and say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first five minutes, like you know exactly what this movie is going to be in the first five minutes. And yeah. Game set match right before the even the title cards even come up. It's fantastic. Yeah, and that's kind of really what I'm gonna where I want to focus my points on this movie, and I really like this, and first of all, this is, John Krasinski's directed a few smaller projects before, but this is a major leap forward for him as a director. Yeah. I definitely think he's going to be getting other opportunities, and he kind of comes onto the scene as a potential major talent in directing, and writing as well. And stuff that I never really, he, he's kind of been bouncing around since the post office days, our, as our buddy uh, Jim Halpert, and it was, I was very interested to see where this was going to go. And, you know, I heard a lot of positive buzz, so that made me excited because I'm a big fan of The Office and a big fan of his work and think that's one of the greatest television uh, love couples that I've ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was interested to see this go. And, and you'd kind of mentioned Emily Blunt and him are starring, uh, you know, and you, you went, oh, like, of course, drama. But when I think of Krasinski, when I think of Halpert, I don't think <laughs> drama. I think... Big Tuna. Yeah, yeah, I think Big Tuna. So I was like, oh, cool, Halpert in a drama. And he has been doing dramas more recently. He did a, uh, like a war movie. He's been, um, he was in that uh, Cameron Crowe uh, movie the, in Hawaii with Emma Stone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's kind of been getting more into drama. But, uh, yeah, this was definitely something I thought was, uh, was a little bit of a departure for him, so I was excited to see. This movie is, like, 90 minutes. It moves really quickly, and every single scene has a purpose. I love movies like that. There's no wasted space in it. Right, it's tight and concise, and it's just, it's like set piece to set piece. It's like situation to situation, which I know you could describe a lot of movies like that, but it's like every scene is just a building block. It's fantastic. It's a, very, it's a very efficient movie, and it does a great job of raising tension. And it's called A Quiet Place. These They have to... Uh, the, the paths that they walk on are, are filled with sand so they don't make noise. Um, it's, it's a movie that really plays into... And, and really the genre of horror always has kind of honed in on the, the sound as a mechanism. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, people hiding under the bed or in a closet, you gotta be quiet so you're not heard. It's something that is a dramatic piece or a, a, a tension piece in a lot of different horror films. And this movie really... Uh, expands it and uh, focuses a light on that and so sound becomes super critical and it really puts you in the place of could I live 
in this scenario. Right. You you think about it like you could even while you're eating your popcorn or like going to your candy, you're like, oh shoot, because because the whole audience is quiet. Everyone's silent because the tone of the film is so silent. And it's like shoot, like every little bit of noise you make just gets amplified. You know what I mean? And it it sheds a light on that. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's. It was a cool, really cool movie theater experience. I know, I think our showing that we went to was really good. Um, you know, reading online, it seems like a lot of people had horrible audiences. And I mean, like it's called A Quiet Place. The more quiet you are, the, the, you can just feel, you can cut the tension in the room with mm-hmm. watching with a hundred strangers. It's pretty great. Yeah, and so, you know, it really, like, the, the, and Krasinski as a director does a great job of heightening that tension, because now we know the consequences if we make noise, and so every creak in the floorboard, or if you knock over a glass of water, or if, you know, just, just having, you know, you just can't have a conversation or just do anything, uh, it, it really puts a lot of things into perspective just about how noisy we are in general as a, as a species. Especially that scene when Emily Blunt has to give birth. So Ooh, she's pregnant. The, 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 the second scene, we, we find out that she's pregnant and the family is preparing to have this baby come along. And uh, as the movie rolls on, somehow the monsters get attracted to this house and she has to uh, try to go through the process of having this baby while being silent <laughs> and having a, a, an alien-esque monster roaming the, the property. My, my thought during that sequence, I had two thoughts. One, uh, any mother watching this scene has to just be biting their lip being like, you go, girl. Like, yeah. good, good luck keeping that, keeping quiet while this baby's trying to make its way out of you. Every woman in there is probably just... Just biting their knuckles. <laughs> it's such a great idea for a uh, for a plot element because it's it's one of the noisiest activities you could do your entire life. And I mean, it's there's the most no natural way to, thing. It's, yeah, just, like, it's no unavoidable. To, there's no way to do it without making a ton of noise. There's always like thirty people around. You're they're screaming. There's at least at least audible breath, right? Like yeah. even people that 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 might be able to handle it very well without screaming. Like, you're going to have to do some sort of lamaze or some sort of breathing exercise to get it out, which makes noise. Yeah. So to, to, try, to, to try to pull it off uh, where you can't make a single noise, otherwise you or your infant baby will be devoured, uh, is just, it, it, it really heightens that element, you know? Yeah, another thought I had during that scene, especially once you see how it plays out and everything, I just, I feel like that's going to be like the classic scene from that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean... There's just so many great horror movie scenes. I'm not going to like compare it to like the psycho shower scene or anything, but that that was well, there is like, a bathtub involved. There is a bathtub. Well, yes, yeah. true. And there's liquids and yeah, yeah. There's there's a monster lurking about. So it's a it's bit. a scene that's going to live in, I think, horror movies like yeah. down down the road. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to make like a top ten list, but yeah, it's <laughs> definitely. And in terms of that movie, that's going to be the the moment that I remember too. Uh, and just just people out there just. Make sure if you have steps leading into the basements that there's no hanging nails. I mean, yeah. every time it's such a you know it, it seems simple, but it comes to comes to bite us in the end. Uh, but uh, in in terms of in terms of performances, what did you? Because because I also really felt connected to Krasinski's character, and I and I love the arc of the the eldest daughter who happens to be deaf and her blaming herself for the incident that happened with her brother at the top of the movie. But I love that arc of, does he love me? Am I being blamed? Yeah, that was... And you don't know, you, you just don't know by the behavior and, and 
some of the decisions Krasinski makes, whether that's true or not. But I love the journey that uh, he goes on. But anything performance-wise, because it's, it's a challenging thing to not have dialogue. Yeah, uh, every character has to have show their shade of grief. The whole family is going through grief. Um, obviously, as Bob just mentioned, uh, the daughter feels the most grief. If you see the first five minutes of the movie, you'll get it. Uh, Krasinski, he plays a great dad. He's got to keep everything together. He's got to show his son the ropes of, of how to survive in case dad gets yeah. attacked. Gotta so be the man in the house. Gotta be the man in the house. Then you have Emily Blunt, who's just, again, she's pregnant. She lost a child. She's got a new one coming into this world. It's like, it's just the passage of time. And yeah. Emily Blunt's been kind of badass for a long time, though. Because she's really badass in Edge of Tomorrow with Tommy oh, yeah. Cruz. She's even pretty badass in Looper. She's yeah. the she's you know I think I think she has some badass elements to her. So this is just it's it's just pregnant badass. Yeah, it's is, it's Mama Bear badass. Mama Bear badass <laughs> is another level. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've always I've always really liked her even from the, the Devil Wears Prada days. And, you oh know, yeah. That's kind of where her break in is. Uh, and I didn't for a long time. I didn't know that they were a Hollywood couple. But <laughs> neither did I until I'm, until yeah, it was like John Krasinski and his wife. It's like oh shit, they're married. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I, uh, I really liked her a lot. I think I think for me, Krasinski wins the movie just by proving to people his acting departure. He, you know, he he's he's not a, for anyone that may not have caught caught his most re, more recent dramas proves that he he has a dramatic element. Also proves that he has a lot of skill in terms of storytelling storytelling ability and shit directing too and the directing elements so yeah uh, the direction of this movie was was pretty great there's some just really cool shots of just like yeah, what were some of your style. favorite shots best bits Bobby's um, best bits Bobby's best bits um, a lot of the stuff that was near the uh, like the tower with the corn in it was really cool because you okay. get to, it gives you the whole lay of the land yeah yeah it, it shows you the, in terms of directing element showing you the like a bird's eye view of the playing space that we're working with. Right, exactly, and you know, it, it adds a little bit of mythos to it too, because you see, I don't, I don't know, I suppose everyone to go, but you see some things getting lit up in the background, so mm -hmm. you know that it's not just four people trying to survive this madness. It's you know, the world is still existing. Yeah. Even though we're seeing just four people's perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's a really good piece. There were some there were some cheesy elements to it, like just the whiteboard with like. All of all of what we need to know, but we can't explain to you right now. Yeah, it's, it's like, a little bit of spelling it yeah, out. Here's the, yeah, yeah, it literally spells it out for everybody. Just bullet points like they they don't they they're completely blind. You know, there's three of them in the area. There's this that the other. He's got this like whiteboard of just important must knows that the camera just happens to pan across 14 times in a 10 minute span. But uh, and then the the one little nitpick I had with the plot as well is at one scene they go to catch fish for the family and Krasinski explains to his son that there's no danger by the waterfall because when there's a, a you know whatever noise we're making in our conversation is is there's a larger sound uh, sound creator in the waterfall so then you know that the, they won't be able to distinguish between our noise and then the waterfall and I'm going, well, shoot, why not just live by the fucking <laughs> yeah, exactly. waterfall? Well, why not have the baby by the waterfall? So yeah. if she needs to scream or do whatever, you can just have the waterfall drown out the noise instead of going back to the house and living as silent of a lifestyle as we possibly can, trying to live our, our regular life but only in silence. Right. Just move to the waterfall. 
It makes me makes me wonder if that baby was conceived by the waterfall because I mean yeah. it's not necessarily you quiet. Had to get made somehow. <laughs> exactly. That's not a quiet activity. Either. I would like to see a scene on that. <laughs> Where's that deleted so, scene? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go check in the the DV, the DVD. So uh, yeah, that was that was my only little nit, but it, it it's it's a really efficient movie. I thought it was pretty thrilling. Any any other thoughts, Peterson? We've been kind of rolling through this pretty quick. I don't know, just going into it, I had high expectations. Again, Rotten Tomatoes, usually kind of accurate. I know you and I really like Rotten Tomatoes to, to judge. But yeah. uh, going, going into a movie, had early buzz, it screened early, and horror fans online were already freaking out about it. I was like, okay, all right, it's on my radar. I, I left thoroughly yeah. satisfied. Yeah, I loved it. Was it. Very I thought it was great. Anything on your radar coming up this summer? Uh, that I know Hereditary was something Hereditary that we both looked at one, each man. other. Uh, anything else that you're kind of excited to hear about or any, anything coming through the rumor mill? Um, yes, there's actually a new Halloween movie coming out. It's oh, too- yeah, let's dust the mothballs off that. Okay. Yeah, but you know who helped uh, co-write it is uh, Kenny Powers himself. K-motherfucking P? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, uh, he co-wrote it with David Gordon Green, who I think directed uh, Pineapple Express. Oh, okay. He's like, so he's, still, he's kind of that crew, but I you know it's got Jamie Lee Curtis in it again. Is Franco going to play Michael Myers? <laughs> God, I hope not. Twist. Did, didn't Jamie Lee Curtis get her head chopped off in the last one, but now they're saying it didn't happen? Or? Right, yeah, they're kind of rebooting, resequeling kind of deal. This is supposed to take place directly after the original one, which is weird because Jamie Lee Curtis was in the second movie, which takes place directly after the original movie. So they're yeah. even discrediting the second proper John Carpenter, Jamie Lee Curtis sequel. So we'll see how that goes, just but make your I'm own pretty rules excited. At this point. Good, good. I'm glad you're excited. That's it's you know it's it's a classic. We'll we'll see where it goes, and you know there's always different angles you can go from it, uh, different perspectives. We'll we'll give it a shot at least. Uh, and uh, so to kind of um, finish up our little conversation here, you had gone to see John Mulaney do his did was he doing his was it called the kid gorgeous tour it was the kid gorgeous tour he did i think seven sold out shows here at the chicago theater and he also crazy did a bunch of sold out (laughs) shows at radio city and it's just recently come up on netflix and i gave it a watch uh, I really liked it. Can you just kind of talk about some of your favorite bits and uh, some of your favorite pieces from them? Because I know you haven't seen the Netflix yet. No, I haven't seen the, the finished product that he wanted to release. However, our, uh, uh, me and my girlfriend Kathleen, our favorite bit was uh, involved with Willy Wonka. Because um, he doesn't do that in the, the Netflix special. But he so. does do it on Netflix if you watch the Seth Rogen Hilarity for Charity special, which I recommend to everybody. Okay, it's I got a lot of Santa Queenians. It's got a ridiculous cartoon. But it's also for like a good cause, which is pretty cool. It's like a legit like charity situation. But, uh, but Mulaney does the the Willy Wonka bit on there talking about how Grandpa Joe like really is can like really walk and he's an asshole because he's been sitting in this oh, bed yeah. for years. It's like because I'm gonna take Grandpa Joe and he kind of gives the finger to the other three grandparents. <laughs> and now maybe you're thinking, hey, Grandpa Joe, maybe he deserved to go. He had a tough life, right? Because remember, Grandpa Joe, he says, I don't know if I can go, Charlie. I haven't walked in 40 years. Wait, let me check. And then he lifts the world's worst-smelling duvet. And he gets out of bed, and he can walk! Fuck you! You could walk this whole time, you walrus-mustache son of a bitch! 
you John Bolton-looking asshole. We've been supporting you while my mother cooks laundry soup while singing Cheer Up Charlie, which is an awful song. And we all fast forward through it. Fucking asshole, like, have you been able to walk this whole time? And... <laughs> I, love, I love that he, like, breaks down these classic movies, because in one of his earlier specials, one of my, my actual favorite John Mulaney bit that he does is the, uh, just breaking down the, the how ludicrous the plot of Back to the Future is. Oh, God. And, and the disgraced nuclear physicist. <laughs> it's like, this high school kid's best friend is just this disgraced nuclear physicist. <laughs> And we don't take any time explaining how they became friends. Like, remember that time we became friends in the science lab? I'm like, no, nothing. And it's like, explain to me how you, be, you know, and it's like, oh, how old is this guy? Well, we don't know whether he's 40 or 90. And just breaking down ridiculous plots and plot plot holes in like, these, like, classic movies. Marty's got to go back and, and have sex with his mom. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the, the pitch of Back to the Future <laughs> in general. Oh, no, he's not going to go back and stop JFK. He's going to go back and try to fuck his mom. <laughs> uh, we're obviously butchering the bit, but uh, yeah. it's... Uh, I, I really like John Mulaney, and he's, he's really come on the scene. Yeah. And we saw him open yeah. for Patton Oswalt. Yeah, God, what year was that? Had been like, like 2011. Yeah, something. something. It, it was around the time that uh, New in Town came out. Okay. Yeah, it's probably around 2011. Wow, yeah, so we saw like a young John Mulaney yeah, open up. Yeah, he was for, still writing for SNL, and no one knew who he was. Yeah. He, was, he was. he wasn't even like the guy right before Patton Oswalt. He was like two comedians before <laughs> Patton Oswalt came out. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he's really exploded on the comedy scene. And I mean, if you're selling out a week or 10 days at Radio City and it's thousands of seats. And, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, you, you've made it by that point. And have, have you seen the Oh Hello on Broadway? His, his Oh Hello, uh, the Netflix? Yeah, I loved it. I'm, I'm a big fan of both him and Nick Kroll. Mm -hmm. I like their, their character work. And it's interesting to see Mulaney in that route because he doesn't really, he's not really an actor. He's mostly a stand-up and a writer. So to see him just take on this this character of this this disgusting old man who yeah. just has all these like old New York references. George St. England. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's hilarious to see him in that light. Yeah, they and and that originally was they had to host some sort of like gala comedy event and they just put those characters together. They just wandered around and saw two guys two old men that clearly lived together but weren't romantic <laughs> with each yeah. other uh, and they were each buying their own copy of some ridiculous of, uh, Alan Alda's book. Alan Alda's book. <laughs> <laughs> like they could have just shared it but they each needed their own copy uh, and they were just wearing tweed and they were yeah, like, okay, just, those are our characters. Just old, gross, college professory, almost homeless types. Yeah, but not, and you know, it's, I, I I'm sure it's a it's a great inside reference, a little inside baseball for people around New York. But oh, yeah. I just think it's funny anyway. But yeah, Mulaney, uh, give give that a stream as well. So uh, yeah, I guess that's gonna uh, end our end our session here. Uh, we're gonna go see Nick Swartzen in yeah. uh, in, a, in about a month or so. The Too Many Smells tour. Too Many which, Smells, which sums him up. <laughs> ah, man, I started following him on Instagram. That's just absurd. He's disgusting. I love it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Bobby Peterson also a huge fan of, of the stand-up game and, and, and knows a lot about the indie guys and obviously headliners and always good to to have on and chop about that. So with that said, I guess we're done for the day. Thanks for coming on, Mr. Peterson. Cool man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, make sure when it comes across your face that you. 
give a give a watch to Mulaney's new special and of course A Quiet Place starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. We're gonna play you guys out now with a little bit of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Never pit a pattern 